Hey everyone, this is Dorinda Wilson. Welcome to my podcast. You might know me already, but if you don't, I'm married to Daryl. We have been married for 28 years. We have eight kids, five boys, three girls, and their ages are 12 to 26. Our two oldest are girls. They are married and we have four grandkids. We've been homeschooling over 20 years and that's what brings me here today is just uh, loving to encourage homeschooling moms. So if you've just joined us for the first time, welcome. Thank you for listening. I would love for all of my listeners to leave a comment or a review or share the podcast with somebody. That would be fantastic. Um, One really cool thing that just happened this week is I figured out how to make it so that I don't sound like I'm in a tin can. (laughs) So hopefully this week's sounds way better than the other weeks. It's always uh, constantly trying to make improvements and I'm not real great at this stuff. So my son helps me out and we just kind of go along the way and figure it out as we go, right? Isn't that kind of what homeschooling is all about? (laughs) So today I want to make a couple of announcements. Um, First of all, I'm going to be at the Books and Beyond Mid-Year Conference. It's an encouragement for homeschooling families. Um, I'm going to be the keynote speaker, which is actually a first for me, and I'm really excited and really nervous. So if you could be praying for me, that would be great. I have a message uh, on my heart that I want to bring, and it's similar to the one that I brought in my book and on this podcast and on my blog about slowing down and how to really enjoy these years with our kids. So I'm excited about doing that. That will be in Longwood, Florida, just north of Orlando, January 26th and 27th. So if you're anywhere in the area, or maybe you just want to get away to Florida in January, hey, you know, that I've heard it's great there in January, so I'm about to find out. Um, so if you can come, I would love to see you, hug your neck, get to know you a little bit. The other announcement that I wanted to make is I'm just really feeling compelled to write a companion devotional to go with my book, The Unhurried Homeschooler. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, if that's something you guys would like to read, um, just to kind of help keep our, our minds and our hearts in that place where we're slowing down and listening to the Lord's voice for our families. So this week, um, I actually have to do a drawing for two weeks because I forgot to do it last week. So I have two names that I pulled out of the hat. The first one is Patricia, and the second one is Amy. So if uh, you left a comment or something somewhere on SoundCloud or my blog or wherever regarding a podcast, you have just won a free copy of my book. So if you will email me, Um, just email me at dorenda at dorendawilson.com and I will mail you your new book. So this week, something really funny happened. I don't know if you guys remember um, last week on Facebook, I um, put up a post about how late we were starting our schoolwork um, and what happened was our seven, almost 17-year-old came to me and he said, hey, mom, shouldn't I have some curriculum or something? Because, you know, I'm supposed to be doing schoolwork. And so I thought that was hilarious. I put that up on Facebook and everybody got a chuckle out of that. Um, but what happened was uh, several months ago, I had approached the school district about our kids possibly taking 
one or two classes through the school district. We decided not to do that, but in the process, the assistant to the administrator, uh, the school administrator, um, friended me on Facebook. So as it turns out, he ended up seeing that particular post and uh, messaging me and saying, hey, you know, we've got some classes we could probably get your kids into. And oh my gosh, it was so humiliating. (laughs) But I thought, you know, this is just, this is the way it is. This is how homeschooling is. This is the beauty of homeschooling is that our schooling revolves around our home life, not home life around school. We just moved across the country a few months ago and we're still making adjustments and trying to just uh, get our heads above water. We renovated an old house that we turned into a, a B&B. So we've been pretty busy. And, um, you know, I just feel like that's the beauty of homeschooling is we've got that kind of flexibility. And uh, But I had to laugh because I sort of shot myself in the foot on that one. Um, <laughs> anyway, so today... Um, I have a topic that I want to share with you. The next chapter in the book that we're covering is called The Inward Battle. And as I was praying and asking the Lord for wisdom uh, as to what he wanted me to share with you, um, you know, it's just like this happens every time. I don't hear anything. I don't have anything clear, nothing clear. And then all of a sudden, bam, the Lord just like, lays it all out. Um, And this week was no different. He gave me so much scripture. So this week, we're going to be covering a lot of scripture. Um, I think you guys are going to love it. I I keep asking the Lord, is this too hard hitting? Um, am Am I being too extreme? And yet I feel like this is what we're called to as Christian homeschooling families. We're called to walk in obedience to what the Lord has for our family. And that doesn't mean that we're lazy homeschoolers or we're, you know, just kind of using our religion to keep us from doing the hard things when it comes to schoolwork. That is not at all what it's about. But it is about how we approach it and what it is exactly that our that the God has for our families. And that is something I am convinced each family has to hear from the Lord on. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I it, It's maybe scary to someone who wants the, you know, the checklist, which I typically am that type of person. But God has taught me over the last over two decades of homeschooling that that's not really how he rolls. Um, he's gracious and he allows me to have some checklists and allows me to get some of those lists done. But he also... Uh, wants to teach us to trust him and to really yield our hearts and our families to his plan for us. Because ultimately, it's really about him. It's really about the fact that he's put eternity in our hearts and in the hearts of our kids. And when we look at the big picture, that's what really matters. So I'm going to talk uh, today about the inward battle and what that looks like and how we can begin to have victory over that um, that battle. I want to describe what the battle is and then move into ways that we can have victory in it. So I want to start by reading a little bit out of my book um, because that's kind of the basis. This is the springboard that uh, this devotional that I want to share comes off of. But so as you've, I don't know if all of you have read my book, but um, we all have this inward battle. Um, and I think 
um, the battle can best be described as um, really wondering always if we're doing enough. Um, we want our kids to reach their full, full potential, but we also realize that pushing them and forcing things on them isn't really a good plan either. And uh, in my book, The Unhurried Homeschooler, I really advocate, especially in the early years, taking things very slowly and progressively adding more schoolwork as far as book work goes, um, slowly um, as kids get older and are able to handle it more and how important it is for our kids to have playtime when they're younger. We um, tend to not put value on the value of play, how important it is um, to prepare our kids for higher learning because the truth is when kids are young, they really need to engage all of their senses, sight, hearing, taste, smell, touch. And that is what engages this this, um, learning process and gives them a great foundation for higher learning. And it seems so simple, and it is. And, And see, that's the beauty of God's plan for our families is he doesn't put anything ill-fitting or burdensome on us. And isn't it natural to, to let your kids play a lot and to encourage them to be outside and uh, create, you know, build forts and do things with them, experience things with them? Isn't that what we tend to do when they're younger? Because that's the way God created things to be. So we know that this is right for our kids, but it flies in the face of a lot of the um, information we're getting out there as far as testing and school standards, which, by the way, are constantly changing. We've been doing this over 20 years, and I have watched uh, the, the whole testing thing run these cycles and these gamuts, and it really... Honestly, I believe most of the time it has nothing to do with being in the best interest of our kids. It has to do with a lot of other things that have nothing to do with our kids and are not in their best interest. So as parents, we have to be the ones to decide how much and if uh, they're going to participate in any of that. So the, the, the system is telling us that our kids need to need to know certain things at certain ages. And again, that's like a scope and sequence chart. I really, personally, I made a point of not, um, not reading those very much and just kind of staying away from that and just really trying to listen to the Lord and, um, and, and flow with how my kids were wired. So, so this whole system is a constant shifting sands. And so why in the world would we base our homeschooling on something that's shifting and changing all the time? We need to have a solid foundation in our homeschooling years. And, and that whole system is shifting and unstable. I'm telling you right now, it is. I've watched it for years. And so what we need to do is ask the Lord for wisdom and ask him to show us what it is we want to do concerning those things. Okay, so as parents, we have the privilege and the responsibility to look these pressures that we're facing squarely in the eye and make our decisions based on what we believe is best for our kids. But it really doesn't change the fact that it's an inward battle, right? So, um, I want to talk about that. Let's let's talk about what that battle really is. So 
Um, let's, let's go ahead and name what that battle is, okay? I believe it's fear. And fear, um, I believe, comes from, well, it comes from the enemy for sure. And it is certainly nothing that should be driving what we're doing with our kids every day. So I want to share with you a story from Hezekiah, uh, about Hezekiah, from 1 Chronicles 32, 18. So the enemy was coming in and basically um, coming and making an announcement in front of not just the leaders of Israel, but the people of Israel, and they were speaking it in the language of the Israelites. So these Assyrian officials who brought these letters um, from this king who basically said, I'm going to wipe you out. You're nothing. Why are you trusting in this king? You're crazy. He's crazy. You're going to be defeated. Okay, so all this um, fear, all of this um, defeat, that these le- that's what these letters were full of. So these Assyrian officials who brought these letters shouted this in Hebrew to the people gathered on the walls of the city, trying to terrify them so that it would be easier to capture the city. Isn't that interesting? And that is how the enemy works. He tries to get in our heads because if he can convince us and terrify us, it will be easier for him to take our families captive. Think about that for a minute. We don't want him in our heads and we don't want his lies in our heads. And so what is it that we need to do? We need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So the problem lies in when we is when we are trying to keep one foot in the world and one foot in the word. Okay? So don't you find that your biggest times of fear, and I know this has been the case for me, is when I start to think, gosh, you know, maybe that school system and maybe that standard is what I'm supposed to be doing. And maybe, and how can I do that? And I don't think I can do that. And I don't have the education for that. And I don't have the resources to meet those standards. And do you hear the terror and the defeat in it, in that? That's what the enemy wants. Okay, so... The battle starts with our thoughts. So I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. You guys are welcome to follow along in this if you want to. I will also be leaving um, in the show notes on my blog. I will leave all the scriptures that I'm going over today, and I encourage you to go back and to read them and to stand on them and to pray them over your family and over your homeschooling. So here's 1 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. Paul is talking about warfare, right? We know we are always in a spiritual battle. We forget about it because, you know, the practicalities are right in front of us. But the truth is, this is what Paul says. This is what God is uh, saying to us in 1 Corinthians 10. We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture those rebellious thoughts. 
and we bring them into submission to Christ. Okay, so do you hear what he's saying? The first thing we're going to do is destroy the arguments. Okay, so a lot of us would say, okay, this is in my head. Um, this is how I'm, th- I'm thinking. And the truth is that those arguments are not our arguments. They are not what's in the new heart that God has put in us, okay? We know better. We know God's on the throne. We know who he is as we read his word, right? As we um, learn and we become more knowledgeable about who he is, but we also just get to know him relationally. We understand because his word tells us who he is, We understand that he is trustworthy. We understand that he will give us wisdom. The the scriptures are just full of encouraging words to us as homeschooling parents. And this is why I I want to write a devotional because I want you to begin to see how many places in God's word there is encouragement as homeschooling parents and as parents. So what this is talking about, these arguments that Paul is talking about, is really a statement about others' opinions, not ours. It's lofty, but these opinions are lofty, but dead wrong arguments. Arguments that raise themselves up above God. Think about that. Isn't that what that starts to feel like when we start to fear, I don't have enough, Um, I can't meet that standard, what is this scope and sequence thing, I I know I can't do that. All of a sudden, we've taken that thing and we have lifted it above the lordship of God in our hearts and in our families. And that may sound harsh, but I'm going to tell you right now, we live in a culture that has made education its God. Have you noticed that? And, and I, I'm afraid that it happens so much with homeschooling families as well. And I've been guilty of this too, where all of a sudden I find myself putting education at the top. It becomes an idol and it becomes something that I'm worshiping and serving instead of my creator. And that is a place we don't want to go. So those types of opinions and um arguments that raise themselves up above God, we have got to bring back down into their rightful position, always yielding our hearts and our families to Him. So I think a a good red flag would be when you start to feel fearful and uneasy, you might want to stop and think, am I putting something else above God's Lordship in my life and over my family and over our homeschooling? So the first thing is we destroy the arguments. How do we destroy the arguments? We go to the Word of God. The Word of God is clear as to who God is. And when we're reminded about who He is, all of a sudden it becomes clear again who we are in Him. And the enemy cannot get a foothold. And that dang enemy can't get in our our heads and start to take us captive. We have got to be the gatekeepers as parents. Um, And as homeschooling parents, we've got to be the gatekeepers and keep that enemy from getting a foothold, which means we have to take our thoughts captive and we have to destroy those arguments by um, looking in the word and believing the word and praying the word and knowing that our God is so much bigger than all of that. Number two, we take every thought captive. So we listen and we yield all of our feelings and thoughts and ideas about God to what he says about himself through the word. We yield to the truth 
and we let it dismantle our wrong thinking. That is how we take down those arguments and those lofty things that lift themselves up above God is we invite the Holy Spirit to come in and work and begin to dismantle because we can't, we need the Holy Spirit to come in and, and dismantle that. And he so willingly does. All we need to do is just yield to that. And it happens by the power of the Holy Spirit so that our brain, our mind, and our thoughts can be taken captive. Isn't that beautiful? It's just such a simple thing, and yet it can it can take over so much of our thinking and we don't even realize it. This is why. This is why it is so important for us to slow down regularly, to have an unhurried heart, to slow and to pause our hearts and to listen. Lord, am I, and ask the Lord, am I letting anything be lifted up above you in my heart? And I just love this. To me, this was like, it was the most beautiful picture of, of how to just continue to have this victorious homeschooling journey with our kids and really enjoy them and enjoy everything God meant for us to enjoy on this journey with them. So that when we get down the road and we look back, we go, I don't have any regrets. It didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. It didn't look like what everybody else told me it should look like. And it even probably would have looked foolish to someone else looking in but it didn't matter because God is wiser than all of that. And he led us and he showed us what he wanted. And we walked that out and you will see the fruit of that. I guarantee you, God will honor every effort you make to walk in obedience to him. We're never going to do it perfectly. I totally get that. I have messed up so many times and I haven't walked this walk perfectly. I freaked out at moments And my family will tell you that, but I can honestly say overall, I look back and I'm so glad that I just listened to the Lord and I tuned out those voices and my husband and I agreed, this is what we're doing and this is what the Lord kept bringing us back to. God will do the same for you. I'm not special. Well, we're all special. I just feel like we're all kind of his favorites. So just know that you're one of his favorites. And if you ask him, he's going to tell you. And if you make efforts, he's going to bless it. Because we need to really believe genuinely, genuinely, sorry, I couldn't say it. Genuinely believe in God's desire to bless us. He's not standing up there with a hammer ready to whack us at the first mistake. He is so gracious and so loving and so ready to walk with us through it, and to give us wisdom along the way. We don't have to know everything. We just need to know him. So let's just keep pressing into him. Okay, so um, the other scriptures that I want to share with you um, are going, I'm going to talk a little bit about what it looks like um, to, okay, so let me see how I can explain this. Um, we want to, this next scripture that I'm going to share is, it will show us how foolish idol worshipers really look. Okay. So I want you to be thinking about this as I'm reading through this, thinking about how, um, so many will look to education. You can think of any idol in your life and, um, any idol in our lives. And, and as we read through this, you're going to realize how foolish it is for us to bow to those. 
So they're talking about, you know, what Isaiah is going to talk about here in Isaiah 44, 9, is um, he's just kind of kind of describe how foolish an idol worshiper looks. But I want you to kind of like try to equate this and parallel this to current times and what our idols tend to be in this culture and even in our, you know, in our own minds and hearts. So so how foolish are those who manufacture idols? These prized objects are really worthless. The people who worship idols don't know this, so they are all put to shame. Who but a fool would make his own god an idol that cannot help him one bit? All who worship idols will be disgraced. Along with all these craftsmen, mere humans who claim they can make a god. So I'm I what's running through my head is Hollywood and these these stars and these and these these people who are sort of like lifted up as idols in front of us, um, movies and fame and you know I mean the list goes on, um, and it says here they may all stand together but they will stand in terror and shame. The blacksmith stands at his forge to make a sharp tool, pounding and shaving it with all of his might. His work makes him hungry and weak. It makes him thirsty and faint. Then the woodcarver measures a block of wood and he draws a pattern on it and he works with a chisel and a plane and carves it into a human figure. He gives it human beauty and puts it in a little shrine. He cuts down cedars. He selects the cypress and the oak. He plants the pine in the forest to be nourished by the rain. And then he uses part of the wood to make a fire. With it, he warms himself and bakes his bread. Then, yes, it's true, he takes the rest of it and he makes himself a god to worship. He makes an idol and he bows down in front of it. He burns part of the tree to roast his meat and to keep himself warm. And he says, ah, that fire feels so good. Then he takes what's left and he makes his god, a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it. Rescue me, he says, you are my god. Such stupidity and ignorance. Their eyes are closed and they cannot see. Their minds are shut and they cannot think. The person who made the idol never stops to reflect. Why, it's just a block of wood. I burned half of it for heat and used it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a god? Should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? And then he finishes saying, "Uh, This poor deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that can't help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? So I want to stop and talk about that for just a second. Is this scope and sequence chart that I'm looking at a lie? Do we ask ourselves that question or do we just assume that the educators have told us this is the way it is and so therefore that's the way it needs to be? When did we stop asking questions? Hmm. There's a thought. So he goes on to say, Pay attention, O Jacob, for you are my servant, O Israel. Okay, he's talking to us now. Listen carefully. I, the Lord, made you, and I will not forget you. I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. You hear that? He's not looking for perfection here. He's just looking for obedience like... He's saying, your sins are gone. I've scattered your offenses. I'm not standing here with a gavel, ready to beat you over the head when you make a mistake. Those things are gone. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. Do you hear that? Redemption doesn't, redemption should permeate every area of our life, including our homeschooling. God has redeemed your homeschooling. 
It can look like what he wants it to look like, and it's going to be great. It's going to turn out fine. God, God is all about freedom. He's paid this price to set you free, not just your salvation and going to heaven, but your life right here and now, and that includes your homeschooling. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done this wondrous thing. Shout for joy, O depths of the earth. Break into song, O mountains and forests and every tree. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and is glorified in Israel. Do you hear that? God is glorified in you. He is glorified in your family. You can't ask for anything more than that. That's for eternity. And it's so much better than the scope and sequence chart and the pile of books that tell us we've got to homeschool this way. Listen to the Lord. He loves you. He has freedom for you. He's paid the price to set you free from those burdens. Listen to his voice. The next scripture that I want to share with you is Isaiah 30, 1 through 5. Man, I'm literally in tears here, people, because when families, moms, dads, whoever's listening, God has so much for you, and it's such freedom, and it's such joy. So Isaiah 30, 1 through 5. This is Isaiah talking about... Um, those who are going to make plans that are contrary to, to God's plans. Um, I think about the temptation to follow after, um, you know, the public school system. I'm not saying it's, there's every single thing is wrong with it, but I, I kept, let's just put it this way. I kept my kids home for a reason and I know you did too. So let's just leave it at that. So, but the temptation a lot of times is, is, is when we feel unsure of ourselves, is to go back to that as our frame of reference. So I want you to listen to this. What sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord. You make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances not directed by my spirit, thus piling up your sins. For without consulting me, you've gone down to Egypt for help. Now I want you to, I don't know if you know this, so I'm just going to stop here for a second, but Egypt is basically um, another word for the world. So it's the world system. It's the way the world does things. So what, he, what, what he's saying here is that um, he was talking to the people of Israel who, who didn't bother consulting him. They went down to Egypt or to the world for their help. They put, he said, you have put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. You have tried to hide in his shade. But by trusting Pharaoh, you will be humiliated. And by depending on him, you will be disgraced. So it's basically what he's saying here is, is when we decide we're going to go to the world because we're unsure of ourselves and we just need something concrete. So we're just going to go consult with the world and that's how we're going to do things because we just need to know that we're doing it, um, that, that we're doing it right, quote unquote. But here God is saying, you haven't consulted me. You've gone to the world. So so that is something, and the point of all this is that that is what we want to stay away from. So also the verse that I want to end that with is verse 18. So it says, So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so that he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are all those who wait for his help. Do you hear that? It's total opposite of what we just read. 
um, what we just read talked about going to trusting in Pharaoh, trusting in the world, going to the world for you know your advice and not consulting God. And then God is saying here, I'm just waiting for you to come to me so that I can show you my love and compassion. And because he's a faithful God, blessed are all those who wait for his help. And every time I read that word wait, I think about being unhurried and, and how when we slow our hearts down, that is a way of waiting on the Lord. And he's saying he will always bless it. So let's go to Isaiah 31 verses 1 through 3. It says again, so we're going to go back. We're, we're sort of comparing and contrasting here. So we, we were talking about Egypt and not consulting God. And then what God is saying he will do as we look to him and wait on him. Now we're going back again. Um, Isaiah is talking about Egypt and, and consulting the world. And here's what it says. What sorrow awaits those who look to Egypt for help? trusting their horses, chariots, and charioteers, and depending on the strength of human armies instead of looking to the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. In his wisdom, the Lord will send great disaster. He will not change his mind. He will rise against the wicked and against their helpers. And here's why. For these Egyptians are mere humans. They're not God. Their horses are puny flesh and not mighty spirits. Do you see how that ties into the weapons of our warfare, not being carnal, not being human? We, um, we wage a warfare that is not on a fleshly level, right? So we're not going to trust in mere humans. We're not going to trust in, um, we're not going to consult the world. We shouldn't be consulting. That should not be part of where we go in order to know what it is we're supposed to be doing with our kids and in our lives. Instead, we consult with the Lord. Now, I'll, I will stop and say here, there are times that, you know, obviously God uses things in the world, but we are in the world. We're not of it. So sometimes God's going to use, you know, a certain curriculum. It's going to be a huge blessing to you. Maybe, um, maybe you uh, read something that is, you know, not necessarily Christian, but it's really based in Christian principles, right? Because usually when we really look at things, if there's a truth there, it, it comes from God. But I guess what I'm saying is um, I'm trying to create that division where you see what it looks like and what the results are to consult the world and what it looks like and what the results are to fully trust in God. Because what I want to do is encourage you to keep shifting more and more and more trust into God for your homeschooling days. So I'm going to read Isaiah 45. I just have a couple more scriptures that I want to share. Um, let's see. Let me find it here. There it is. Isaiah 45, 18 and 19. Okay, so it says, For the Lord is God. Okay, wait a second. There's a couple of them here that I want to read. I just ran across this one. You got to hear this. This is great. For the Lord is God, and he created the heavens and earth, and he put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in, not a place of empty chaos. I am the Lord, he says, and there is no other. I publicly proclaim bold promises. I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. I would not have told 
the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. I, the Lord, speak only what is truth and declare what is right. Do you hear what he's saying there? Holy cow. He's saying he's the creator. He put everything in place. He made this world to be lived in. He doesn't want us living in empty chaos. And every time we consult the world and start to go the world's way, that's exactly where it leads. Don't we see empty chaos all around us? When we follow those principles, that's where it lands. He's saying, I am the Lord and there is no other. Okay, so this education that has become God, it's not a God. There is no other God but our God. He says, I publicly proclaim bold promises. Okay, He's not going to be quiet. He's going to speak. He says, I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. He's not hiding. Okay, he, he says he wouldn't, have told, he wouldn't have told us to seek him if he couldn't be found. He speaks only what is true and declares only what is right. So where in the world would we want to go to get the answers for our families? Isaiah 48, 17 to 20. This is the last set of scriptures. This is just beautiful. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to listen to this. And I want you to understand that this is God's prayer over you. This is for you. Starting in verse 17. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the paths that you should follow. Oh, that you had listened to my decrees and my commands, then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river and righteousness rolling over you like waves in the sea. Your descendants would have been like sands along the seashore, too many to count. There would be no need for your destruction or the cutting off of your family name. Now, even now, be free from your captivity. Leave Babylon and the Babylonians. Wow. And I, I'm just to just to be clear, Babylon, uh, Babylon and the Babylonians also is representative of the world. So here's what God's saying: walk away. Walk away from that, walk towards him, and understand what your calling is as homeschooling parents. I really believe that for Christians, homeschooling should be about so much more than just educating our kids at home. I believe it's a call to begin to untangle ourselves from the world's broken system. It is a call to be set apart as God's people, allowing him to prepare our kids for the purposes that he's had for them since the beginning of time. Our kids were made to be partakers of this time in history, actively involved in God's kingdom work. Is that what we're preparing them for? Or are we so distracted by fear, fear of not doing enough in our homeschool days that we miss the golden opportunity we have to raise up a generation powerfully equipped to effectively impact our world with the gospel. This doesn't mean that we're lazy or settling for less. It means we're deliberately walking out what God has for our families with passion and with intention and with trust, that we're not letting fear drive us, but instead we're looking fear 
in the eyes and we're saying no. And we choose to trust instead. And think about it. God isn't setting us up for failure or our kids up for failure. He just has so much more for us than the world has to offer. He made our hearts for eternity. St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. I'm praying today that you will find rest in your homeschooling days. It's okay to love and enjoy the slow and the simple, and it's okay to love the calm. God doesn't have empty chaos for us. He has peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your kindness and your goodness to us. Thank you for calling us to homeschooling, Lord. I truly believe that that is just really the first step, that you have so much more pressing in to do, that you have us, you you are wanting us to press into you more and more and more. That's a first step. But, but Lord, I ask that you would give us courage, Father, that we would be able to see who you really are, that we would be able to discern and to recognize the difference between the world's advice and the world's idols and, um, and you, God, that we would know when you're speaking to us, that we would hear that still, small voice. Teach us, Lord, as we slow our hearts down, God. Help us to hear you and to know that we've heard you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for for giving us wisdom. Thank you that you're not a voice of obscurity. You're not hiding. You are ready to speak to us. You have lots to say to us. You have direction for us. You said in James that if we lacked wisdom, we just needed to ask you and you would give it to us, God. So we're praying for that. Lord, I pray over these families. I pray a hedge of protection, God. The enemy wants to come in and get a foothold. And Lord, we are saying no. Our families belong to you. We are called out. We are set apart. We are set apart for you, God. Show us what that looks like in our everyday lives, Lord. Show us what that looks like in our parenting, in our marriages, and in our homeschooling, God. We want to love and honor and serve you. Thank you for being so good to us, Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.